0: It's time for Yusuf on Security. I'm your host, Ibrahim Yusuf. Welcome back to you all. I hope you had a fantastic week. Today, we turn our eyes to a critical part of the internet infrastructure where security can be delivered effectively. And in doing so, this will allow organizations to mitigate attacks and risk at an early stage. In this two-part series, we will discuss DNS layer security. But first, let's review the week's most notable security events and news. This and more is all coming up next on Yusuf on Security. This is Yusuf on Security episode 17, recorded Saturday, 29th of May 2021. DNS Layer Security Part 1. We will kick the show off with the notable news um, that has happened last week. Apple releases update to fix three zero days. Air India customer data affected by CETA Bridge. The city of Tesla prevents data theft from ransomware attack. Microsoft retires Internet Explorer next year. And finally, there is something that FBI wants to tell you about, it's about ransomware. So Apple released an um, update to fix three zero day um, recently, um, and I think the we see more um, releases um, of this type of news from Apple. Something that was not common in the um, previously, I would say. So the update releases um, is to update um, Mac OS 11.04, um, 11.4 rather, 10.15, 10.14, iOS and iPad um os 14.6 and as well as obviously the watch um os 7.5 and the tv 14.6 and these are to address um, vulnerability that attackers are exploiting um, right now in the in the wild Um, and i think there's a lot of um CVEs that you need to have a look at um, total in three. I will add the um, some pointers in the show notes as usual. Um, and as I said, this is something that is um, not common um, in in the past. And I think um, either the um, either the Apple ecosystem is um, you know. M- seeing more um, targeted attack or maybe Apple is disclosing more um, vulnerability normally they keep their card um, close to their chest so either way um, that is um, that is something that is actually been um, um, you know seen as abnormal to be quite honest um, but you know needless to say um, go ahead and update your um, Apple ecosystem and I think it's um, it's prudent to say you know as soon as possible Air the um, customer has been affected by um, what the industry is seeing as a supply chain attack. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm saying supply chain attack because the data was accessed via um, CETA Um, and CETA is the um, quote is the world leading specialist in airport um, sorry in air transport communication and information technologies so the data uh, breach um, occurred in February um, and this affected the um, customers of Air India um, you know personal information um, and this is approximated um, 4.5 million Um, customers that have been um, that have been affected and you know it includes names payment card data passport details so quite a lot of um, critical um, critical information so when you normally have that amount of data breached normally the industry expects um, the um, the impact to be minimized so by doing a early disclosure so that the um, customers that are affected can protect themselves from from essentially further uh, harms. When you have a data breach of this magnitude is important to note um, the earlier you disclose um uh, you know what has happened um the more time you give the affected customers time to react and protect themselves from further attack you know whether that is update of password you know enabling two-factor authentication etc um so that's that's absolutely you know goes without saying it is a supply chain attack because the um, access was via the um, the, um, the the supplier um, who maintains um, the information technology, and that is the um, that is CETA. um And it's, um, it's 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 really just a reminder of what has happened, um, um, you know, late last year, um, SolarWind um, has been the you know supply chain attack of of, of a large magnitude. Um, and I think this this is something that essentially is um, is it's something that we might see, unfortunately, more and more. Um, and it's critical organisations obviously um, take heed and make sure that you um, that you actually um, you know put all your efforts to mitigate as many risks um, as as possible. Of course, CETA is not the largest um, you know Amadeus um, Cyber um, have higher market share. Than, than CETA, but obviously we're talking about millions of um, of customer data um, something that has happened in the u.s and and this is the city of tulsa um, which is located in the um, um in oklahoma um, they've been affected by a ransomware and actually they reacted quite um fast um and um you know shut down the network when they detected suspicious activity um, in there, um, and by shutting down, um, they disallowed, they prevented the attacker to actually um, achieve their goals. And, and remember, the attackers always follow a kill chain where they normally would go to a number of um, activities where then they would um, essentially, um, you know, achieve their target. And, and these are. Um, you know the kill chain is is essentially you know reconnaissance um, weaponization delivery exploitation installation command and control action on o- objective so before essentially they 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 really did you know you know further installation or maybe exploitation um, the um, the um, organization essentially um, disallowed them by shutting down. Their their network and of course it's it's a, it's a sort of a partial success because remember um, they they have been penetrated and they have been um, um, you know successfully um, breached um, either by allowing phishing or missing patches where you know the the vulnerability that's been exploited is is there um, but it certainly is something that was um, able to help them um, for um, from further harms so um, kudos to um to to them. Microsoft um, will retire Internet Explorer um, next year, Um, and that is June 15, 2022. Um, for certain versions of Windows 10, um, and it, of course, as we know, um, Microsoft Edge um, has replaced um, and keep replacing until then um, Internet Explorer, um, and and that is um, that is essentially a legacy infrastructure. Really, you shouldn't be um, you shouldn't be using that um, by now. Certainly, Edge. Um, um, is now being based on Google Chrome. Um, so um, there's no need really for Internet Explorer to, to, to be around. Um, and for those of you who are designing applications, please don't use Internet Explorer. I think it's is much more um, um, stylish, but also secure. And uh, most importantly, um Important and efficient for everyone to use something much more modern um, than than relying on the um, on the old um, infrastructure. And finally, the FBI um, made a alert. Um, I think the industry is calling a flash alert. Um, canty ransomware group, and I think C O N T I ransomware group, um, and they are unfortunately targeting um, where it he- you know where it hurts most, and that's the healthcare. And first responders and networks. So the FBI stated that they the group has hit at least 16 U.S. healthcare and first responder network within the last year. Um, and um, and you know that you know the alert provides technical details about the the country. And I will provide um, a link so that you can actually have a look at um, if you are after um, or if you look after those um, type of um, infrastructure. Um, there's a lot of activities in the ransomware. Um, front um, just in April and May, so I think it's critical to at least re-listen, maybe my um, earlier show related to the um, ransomware, um, and and actually just do you do diligence. There's tons of um, information that is available really to make sure that you can you can do your best to mitigate um, this ransomware search period that we are traversing. In our first part of this two part series, we will look at the inner working of DNS first, what it is and how it works. So let's have a look at the basics of DNS. Um, Just to provide some fundamentals, DNS stands for domain name service, and it's often referred to as a, like a catalog, like the contact list of your phone. And that's what it provides for the internet. So essentially every machine um, identifies itself with a connection address or an internet protocol or IP address, um, as we call it. Um, these are normally numbers um, which most human beings would not remember, um, but that's how machines communicate and connect. And essentially, there are servers um, hosting websites, um, applications, um, etc. All of them have a an address, a connection address, an IP address. So the IP address of a DNS server is is a well known. So you you normally would provide that to your to your infrastructure. And you can connect it to a a resources by IP address or by what is known a DNS name, a domain name um, service name. And that's normally what allow you to, to connect. But that's too hard um, when you connect by IP address for most of the people. So for example, if you want to connect to my site where these um, podcasts are hosted, useofonsecurity.com, you can certainly have a look at the IP address where that um, domain is hosted and connect to it as well. But it's much easier just to type, you know, useofonsecurity.com. So that's why the DNS or the domain name service was invented in order to facilitate people to connect by name rather than by IP address, like the contacts of your phone book. You, I wouldn't imagine you will remember all your contacts. You might remember a few numbers um, that are most important to you, but you wouldn't remember all the numbers inside your contact list. You remember by name and you search, go to contact and then you search by name and then you press dial and the connection is made same way is the how the machine works so when we look at the um, the websites um, we use that human-friendly names such as useofonsecurity.com and of course there are you know too um, many names and ip addresses to to keep up with Um, and there are thousands um, that we query or type or access every day Um, you might not realize um, so essentially, that's that, that's really the foundation of how why DNS domain name service is needed is to make that um, easy for the for the human being. But there are infrastructure behind the scene that provides that service, and one is called a recursive server, and another one is called authoritative service, and these are DNS servers, recursive DNS server, or um, authoritative DNS server. So let's have a look at what those are. Those two types, essentially, if you go back to our um, analogy, um, such as the um, the phone book, um, we will we will type useofonsecurity.com or in your browser, um, and essentially your machine or your browser that you're using, Chrome or Safari or uh, Firefox, etc., whatever you're using, it will connect um, and try to find um But really behind the scene, um, you know, remember userfonsecurity.com is for us to type easily. But behind the scene, the machines are now taking that name, that domain name, um and want to convert into an ip address um, and that's how they normally think it's the opposite of what the way we we, we essentially work but there are too many thousands of recursive servers so essentially it will connect to the first recursive server so if you are connecting from a um, from your own home it will certainly be using your own dns server which is the one provided by your isp your internet um, service provider unless you have your own server um, locally in which then you connect um, so um, so essentially when you are connecting you will probably be using your own recursive DNS server um, whether that is provided by your internet um, service provider or whether you have in your own machine a sort of a uh, server that provides DNS um, name to IP address resolution and that's the that's the that's that's the language used to convert one to the other so at your house um, this this might be essentially, you know, the cable company that you are using. Um, And um, if you are using your phone, it might be the cellular provider. Again, your ISP that's providing you um, internet connection. If you are sitting at a coffee house, then essentially, again, it's the, you know, service provider of that um, coffee, um, coffee shop. So once your computer connects to the recursive server, meaning to the first server that it wants to use in order to translate the name to an IP address, it essentially asks, you know, what is the IP address of userphonesecurity.com. And that server doesn't normally have, you know, it doesn't have a, a contact list of that name when you first connect. But it will go and now ask other servers and say, hey, I don't know this um, domain, usernameandsecurity.com, can you ask, um, can you provide me, one of you, and there are, you know, quite a number of a, other servers out there that can provide um, the answer that the first recursive recursive server wasn't able to um, to resolve. So the second type of DNS server um, should have a copy of, you know, the usernameandsecurity.com domain and it will come back and match that domain with an IP address and say, hey, this is the ip address of that domain now that server that provides that service it's called authoritative dns server it has authority to absolutely say yep this is the ip address of the domain that you are asking so just to recap the recursive dns server is the first hop or the one closest to you provided by yourself if you are using your own dns server or provided probably by your isp server or you know if you are at, uh, at work it's provided by your company so that's the recursive dns server why recursive why the word recursive well they recursively ask and look for until they actually get an answer from outside, now when they go outside and get an answer, normally one of the servers who have authority and who have a definitive um, way of knowing or hosting the name of, or sorry, the IP address of the domain that they, that you are requesting. In our example, use of on security um, is called authoritative DNS server. So the authoritative DNS server tells the recursive DNS server, the first requester, in, in a sense, about the correct IP address assigned to the, to the domain. And therefore, the recursive DNS server then sends that information back to the computer that requested, i.e. your browser. Now, the computer then connects to the IP address and the website loads, leading to, you know, you actually then seeing the website on your, on your machine, you wouldn't really know anything about what is going on behind the scene you know it can be a fraction of a second um unless something has actually broken um then you know then you see basically cannot connect type of errors but not all DNS servers are are, are equal, of course. Um, some of the recursive DNS servers you would use um, breaks for some reason. You won't be able to connect to websites. You know, there might be blockage, there might be filtering, etc. Um, so if the, if the recursive DNS server you use is slow, then your computer to, to the website will be slow, right? So if your DNS server are not up to date, you know, then you might not be able to connect correctly to the website. So so your first connection um, to the outside world is normally very Via a um, via a DNS um, server, really. So so you configure normally your um, your organization's DNS server in this way. So once you set up a for those of you who manage Active Directory or who manage a DRCB um, server, and a DRCB server is the is the server that provides an IP address to all your machines, right? So um, whether that is you know, maintained statically, meaning you provide um, a definitive IP address to every single machine, statically, meaning it doesn't change every day, or dynamically means it changes, you know, after a period of time, normally a week, but you can manipulate and, and, and make it a month or whatever you want to make it as. Um, so the once that is given, at the same time, you provide a server, um, a recursive server, which is either you host it again, or if you are provided everything from the outside like your dhcp server is from your isb and more and more isps normally are providing that kind of service this this way the, um, today because the ip version 4 is becoming thin and it's almost run out so people don't have the luxury of providing um although dynamic they don't provide really um, um ip addresses that are publicly available but anyway there are but if i just open a bracket there are two types of ip address one that is public meaning you know anyone can connect to you whether um, um whether they are inside or outside but you don't normally put normal machines on the public ip address that would be normally on the edge your your router um, or firewall or any gateway that you are using the other ip address is a It's a um, private IP address, which is um, called non-routable IP address. Um, The one that is public, it can be static. It doesn't change. Um, normally, companies buy that um, for reasons so that you know it's you know they can be accountable for such as you know when they are pushing email through a server. Normally, email servers have to have a static public IP address or send emails via um, one way or another. You know, you normally put it behind a firewall. But anyway, um, just to close that bracket. So the DNS server um, that you would be uh, having on your environment would be um would, would then be provided to all your client machines so that your client machines know how to resolve or how to request or how to ask um a IP address of the website that they want to connect, such as the example I gave you, use And when that is then provided, the machine is set to be able to connect to the to the internet. So I wanted to provide that foundational of the dns um, before we then go to the second part of this two-part series and we look at the security aspect of it and what are the benefits. so i'll stop here just to really lay the foundation today and i would um, hope you will join me in the next session thank you very much take care